If you've got your Bible with you today, I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. If you don't, listen up close. Pay attention real good. Exodus chapter 20. Let's take a moment this morning and pray. Father, thank you for this time we have together now. We believe that you're at work, doing a mighty thing in our midst. Open up our eyes to see. Give us hearts that are understanding, flooded with light, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In in, uh, Exodus chapter 20, I want you to notice with me, if if you know the Bible at all, this is the chapter, this is the place where the Ten Commandments are listed. Anybody ever heard of the Ten Commandments? All right. Uh, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. How many other gods? None. You shall have no other gods. Zero other gods before who? Before me or God, before the Lord. Verse 4, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. I know oftentimes people uh, read that second part and they nowadays and they think, uh, I'm off the hook. <laughs> That's nothing I need to even be concerned about. I mean, I have not bowed down to a little statue in a long time. (laughs) How many has been a while? (laughs) The scripture here dealing uh, with idol worship, I want you to know uh, that it's not just something. Many times people think, well, idol worship, that's something of the ancient past something of primitive cultures, but of course we are educated, we are enlightened, we would never, ever be involved with such a thing as idol worship. But I've got news for you today that idol worship is alive and well in the 21st century. Even though this command was given quite some time ago, and we know that specifically the Ten Commandments aren't even written to the New Testament believer, I want you to know that the Lord is still opposed to idol worship. The Lord still does not want His people serving anything, whether it is a little statue or a large statue (laughs) or something else that takes on the characteristics of primitive society bowing down to figures that they would set up. The Lord absolutely desires, and I would also ask, add this question, add this response. Uh, he requires His relationship with you and I to be exclusive. He is not willing to share you with anybody. And there is no relationship that we can have or we ought to have in our lives that touches that relationship. There is no thing or no activity, no person, anything in our lives that is supposed to encroach upon our relationship 
with God. He is to hold the preeminent place in our lives and nothing else is to take that place. Just like it was commanded to Moses and to the uh, Israelites in the Old Covenant, it is so true as well today that God wants you. He wants your whole heart and He wants nothing else to get in the way. And I'm telling you today that there are things in believers' lives today that are hindering their fellowship and walk with God. And though they would probably never, ever even use this terminology, biblically speaking, they're idolaters. There are Christians, believers today, they've given their lives to the Lord and are saved Yet they are touching idols. There is a place where idolatry has crept into their life. And typically, they don't recognize it. Oftentimes, they don't realize what a big deal that really is. They don't understand that they're having certain things in a high place in their life is actually an... Uh, It is an offense to God. It is actually uh, affecting His heart because of the commitment, because of all of His love that has been given to you and to me. And I must know that if I want to walk with the Lord and walk closely with Him, have an exclusive relationship, I need to know what I could be involved with or something that has a high place in my heart that bothers Him? Is there something that I do or some way that I think that is um, not pleasing to the Lord? And if so, if I find that out, I want to just rip it right out of my life so I can walk closely with Him. Look at Isaiah chapter 44 with me. Isaiah chapter 44. It's important for us to understand that when we talk about having no other gods, that in one real sense, there aren't any. Now there are, of course, in the lowercase g type of situation in one respect but we need to understand it's not God and a bunch of other guys a bunch of other deities out there and the Lord saying no don't go after this one don't go after this one just me in reality he's the only one and when a person is serving some other type of quote God They are totally missing the boat because that thing that they're making a God in their life is not even a God. So they're getting gypped. They're exalting some natural, inferior person or thing and they're worshiping that thing, although that worship comes about in various ways. And that thing is just nothing. It's inferior to our God. Say, how do we know that God's the only one? Well, let's ask Him. 
in Isaiah 44 and verse 6 says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is, what? No God. Look at verse 8. Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you uh, from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. There is a, or is there a God besides myself? Indeed, there is no other rock. Or some translations just say God. I know not one. If there are any other gods out there, God doesn't know about them. And he knows everything. And he said, there isn't anybody else out here. (laughs) There isn't any other God in existence. I want you to know that. Now, we know that there are different religions and different beliefs in in the earth today. There are those groups that are called polytheists which means they believe in many gods. For example, for example, uh, like, you'll understand why I messed that up, like Hinduism, <laughs> one example, is Hinduism. Uh, if, you, if you know anything about Hinduism, don't have a lot of that kind of stuff around here, but they believe in millions of gods. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of them out there. Hinduism. That's polytheism. In our area, we're all familiar with Mormonism, right? They believe, of course, in they're a polytheistic belief uh, because they believe in many gods as well. In fact, they believe that they can all become gods someday, okay? We believe, as uh, Bible-believing Christians, uh, in something that's called monotheism, uno God, right? There is one God, and our God himself says, There ain't anybody else out here. (laughs) There's nobody else. Anything else that a person sets up in their life as God or they call God, God says they ain't one, to use his best English. (laughs) Quoting him now. (laughs) Uh, There isn't any other God in existence. There is just the Lord, okay? Now now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. To place anything else in that place as God is really foolish. But let's have God's perspective. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Notice with me over here in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 8, 4. says, Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols... We know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. How many are there? No other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, notice the language, so-called gods and God, of course, there is lowercase g, means it's not God, God. Even Satan in this world is called God, but small g, he doesn't get big g, he gets little g. Don't you hate it when someone doesn't capitalize the first letter of your name? That's how rude. You ever, you ever been writing something or typing something? You've got to write the word Satan for something? I have to do that sometimes for notes. Sometimes I just make it a small s just because. 
<laughs> even though technically, you know, it's a proper name, so you have to capitalize it. And the, the word editor, you know, wants to fix you. No, little s. <laughs> <laughs> little g, little s, you're nothing to me. <laughs> you have no place in my life. You're a peon. You're just absolutely forever. Huh, you think you're something. <laughs> but the Lord has put his heel in your head. <laughs> you know that bruise on your head? <laughs> I'm stepping on it. All right, we're just having fun at the, at the devil's expense. Thinks he's something hot. But how many know he's been defeated? <laughs> the devil is a streaker. Yeah. The Bible said Jesus stripped him of his power. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. He's running around with no authority. And those who know the name of Jesus, those who know their place in Christ, can run roughshod over him and all his works all day long. And forever, he will have no place in your life. Maybe he's caused harm. Maybe you've suffered some damage, suffered some things in your life. But forever, you will be free of all his dominion and all his ill will and all his might. For thank God we've been given authority in Christ and we've been given the victory. Amen? Thank you, Lord. That was bonus just for fun. Thank you, Lord. He wants us to know that, though, that we are overcomers and we're on His side and we're connected to Him. We always win. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. All right, where are we at? Verse, help me out. Verse 5. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we are, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. Okay? And so we need to recognize that God's perspective, there are people that are exalting things in their day. Some of it was literal in what we think of as idol worship. They had their gods, their little handmade statues and things that they different people were involved with and they worshiped as God. But the Lord's perspective, he says, well, these so-called gods, there's not really anything there. But however, the Lord did still give the command uh, back to Moses you shall have no other gods before me. He knew there weren't any other gods, big G, but he doesn't even want us to have any little g's before him. They don't compare. They're not even in the same class or same category, but he still says, do not let anything or anyone encroach upon this exclusive relationship that I have with you. If you're going to walk with me, if you're going to call me Lord and call me God, you let nothing else take that place. This is highly important to the Lord. Now look at chapter 10. Same book, 1 Corinthians. My goal and my desire in this message is not necessarily to talk about various religions that believe in, you know, multiple gods or something, but I am endeavoring to deal with us, the people of God, primarily the majority of us, we've already received the Lord. We confess Jesus as Lord of our lives. And we must watch out that nothing else sneaks into that relationship and hinders it from what it's supposed to be. Okay? Just like, well, then I'll get into that later. Let's just focus here now. Focus power, Daniel son. All right. First Corinthians chapter 10. Notice in verse 14. 10. 
14. It says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Well, what should we do with idolatry? Flee from it. Notice it doesn't say resist idolatry. There are some things in life that we should resist, we should stand against, we should speak the name and the word of God against, like Jesus did in the wilderness, and there are some things we should run away from. This is one of those things that you don't mess with. Apparently, it has some type of controlling influence in a person's life. It's kind of like the scripture says to flee fornication. Why doesn't it say resist fornication? Because a lot of people, when they try to resist it, yield to it. (laughs) When it comes to fornication, don't just say, I'm strong enough. I can do it. I can stand again. No, you can't. You will end up in the sack, buddy. You need to get out of the room. (laughs) You need to leave the house like Joseph of old. Remember Joseph, son of Jacob? And he was in Potiphar's house. He was a servant to Potiphar. And Joseph's, uh, Potiphar's wife had uh, the... was excited for Joseph. What's the right word there? <laughs> she was interested. She was uh, she was wanting to have relations, not relationship, <laughs> with uh, Joseph. And of course, Joseph was a man of God, and he was a person of integrity. And he was not going to do that with her. And he was not going to uh, betray his employer or or master or whatever you call him in that day. But hit the. Potiphar's wife came after Joseph in the bedroom one day and did you notice Joseph didn't say well I rebuke you (laughs) I rebuke that (laughs) and that (laughs) and uh and and I'm not gonna uh I'm not gonna be involved with this today (laughs) no because how many know Joseph Joe as we'll call him (laughs) would have been in trouble right what does the scripture tell us he did he ran out of there in fact she grabbed his clothes on the way out (laughs) but he ran out and got out of that situation there are some things that wisdom recognizes i'm not going to face this thing down i'm going to be wise about it i'm not trying to prove my strength and stamina i'm going to use wisdom and say see ya wouldn't want to be ya i am out of here and leave the situation that's the language used when it comes to idolatry when it comes to idolatry it's not just stand there and resist it there must be something inherent within it that is able to grab a person and influence their life strongly so we must depart just get out of there and you'll be safe All right, verse next, 15. I speak to who? Wise men. Notice wisdom. This is what wisdom does. He said, judge for yourself. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? Talking about the Old Testament priests, of course. They would uh, perform the sacrifices and they would be able to eat of the uh, sacrificed animals and so forth. Verse 19. What am I saying then? That an idol is anything? Or what is offered to an idol is anything? What's he saying? 
Well, of course, no. He knows this. He already told us in chapter 8. All right. The idol is nothing. The stuff offered to the idol, that's really nothing. It's nothing in reality. There's, it's not significant. Verse 20, though. Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. I don't want you to have fellowship with demons. Let's go ahead and read the rest for a moment. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? See, this is the language, and this is something that believers today must understand. We are not just dealing with one realm. We're not just dealing with physical things that we see. He said, these idols, man, they're nothing. It's a bunch of clay or rock or something. It's not really anything. It's just the planet. It's just the earth. There's nothing really to it. But what they're doing when they're sacrificing to these nothings, they're actually fellowshipping with demons. Why? Because that's the work the devil has is he will move through something else. He will motivate. It's amazing the deception that takes place where people will worship something that's nothing. Why would someone do that? They're deceived. They are actually yielding to demonic spirits to do something like that. And I want you to know that in our day, in today's time, though we might not, at least in our culture, be doing too much statue bowing down to, uh, that people are doing things that they think, ah, there's no big deal. I mean, it's... It's not, so, it's not some major issue here, not hurting anyone, but there is a spiritual motivation behind their desire or temptation to do something. And though what they're doing is nothing in and of itself, the spirit behind it is what they're actually fellowshipping with. And this is the deception. Because you're not going to... Don't tell me you, we're going to find a true saved person a believer a child of god and they're going to come into church one day lift their hands worship god enjoy the presence of god woohoo this is good and then after church go get involved in a little devil worship what are you doing this afternoon oh i got another meeting well what kind of meeting is it i'm worshiping the devil this afternoon well, I don't know of any Christian that could say that, that would do that. I mean, people just don't do that. But how in the world does idol worship even affect us then? This is written to believers just like us. We're not going to go out and purposefully say, you know, pay homage to the devil or to a demonic spirit. But sometimes things people get involved with are connected to a demonic source or origin, or place of influence. Again, much of what we see, much of what we deal with in life, is not just natural. The natural stuff, big whoop-de-doo. But what's motivating a person? What's drawing them to something? Just like music can be inspired by different sources, there are some, some music that's definitely inspired by God. Some music might be just inspired by a happy day. 
and there is some music inspired by demon spirits. Might be spirit, you know, some kind of rebellious spirit or a lust or, you know, there's songs about, uh, about drug use and all kinds of stuff. Well, what's motivating? What's behind that kind of stuff? I'm telling you there are demons involved. And when a Christian partakes of it, and they think, oh, it's no big deal. I just kind of like the melody. I just like the beat. Nothing wrong with the beat. Nothing wrong with the melody. But what inspired that song? What's the source of inspiration? And many other forms of media and entertainment can fall into that category. All right? And this is where we need to recognize that sometimes we're doing something completely natural, but there's a deception that takes place where Christians, amazing now, are even fellowshipping with demons. It almost seems impossible, yet, here we go, it's in the Bible. It's in the New Testament. It's things that people are doing today. I would encourage you in your life not to mess around with anything if you know the Lord. There are those that are deceived, and they're not really playing both sides, so to speak, on purpose. But uh, for the believer, for those who know the Lord, you've been exposed to truth that changed your life, given you a, a new and eternal life. There are things we don't mess with. Okay, I'd encourage you not to ever mess around with things like psychics, things like uh, people like palm readers. Uh, what was the other one you mentioned? Yeah, Uh, things of that nature say, well, that's that's just a bunch of baloney. I don't really believe that stuff. Well, some of it is just real natural, but I'm telling you, some of it's spiritual. Horoscopes, those type of things. Christians should have have anything to do with that kind of stuff. All right. See, some of those areas, there are spiritual things behind them. Say, I'm just playing around with it. Well, quit. Hmm. I mean, if I told my wife, well, this girl, I mean, I know she's real good looking and everything, but we're not, we're, we're just playing around. It's not like I'm going to marry her. We're just kind of playing around. Well, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> I'm going to make you think about it that way more next week. Uh, that was just intro. Uh, but listen, this is the exclusivity of our relationship with God. There should be nothing else that's coming and entering into that, and especially if there's any chance of there being a spiritual motivation that's anti-God, playing with the enemy of God, messing around with things that are contrary to Him. I, I know, uh, I'm talking even other, other religious belief systems. If you know the truth, you don't fool around with something that is of a deceptive nature, and that is inspired by the enemy to keep people out of, out of heaven. Uh, years ago, there was this guy that I was acquaintance, friends, slash light friend. I don't know how to explain that. We weren't real close, but friend with. And I hadn't seen him for a while. Uh, I decided to stop by his house. And I, his car was out there. And so I pulled up, went up, went up to the house, and he was there. Hey, how's it going? There was this young lady there in his house. He was single. We were all single in those days, right? That was before you, right? Uh, uh, and I went in there, and we we just shooting the breeze a little bit. And as we were talking, you know, it didn't something seemed weird, but uh, you know, I started looking, just sitting there looking around his house, and I saw some uh, some material, some books and things that I recognized. 
And I thought, what is that? So I just asked him. I knew. I said, what's this? Why do you have this here? And he said, oh, I've been, you know, going to these classes and stuff. And uh, he was a believer going to these classes. And I laughed. I said, whatever. <laughs> I didn't believe him at first. But he, I was the only one laughing. There was three of us. Only one-third were laughing. <laughs> and before I know it, we're in this heavy-duty discussion. And it's me against two. And he's arguing for this funky, weird type of belief stuff, religious stuff. And I'm just blown away sitting there. I can't believe I'm even having this discussion. I can't believe he's talking to me like that. And I'm just sharing with him simple stuff. And, uh, and he's disagreeing with me. He's fighting for her. And I realize, obviously, something's going on. There's a relationship with her, and he's interested in her. And she sucked him into this funky stuff. And I walked out of there just, again, blown away, thinking, I cannot believe what in the world is happening here. I'm praying for him. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what happened to him? He was messing around with the devil. I'm not talking about the girl. <laughs> but he started opening his mind up to these things, and he knew better. When a believer knows better and still entertains things that are contrary to God and allows those thoughts to come in their mind, they are playing on dangerous territory. And all, what happened? He got deceived. And again, I didn't talk to him for a long, long time. It was over a year, at least. And one day, he comes knocking on my door. I hadn't seen him forever. He knocks. He says, hey. I go, whoa. How's it going? What's going on? He said, I'm back. I said, well, praise God. What in the world happened? And he had moved away and and all this stuff. And he, he said, I wanted to apologize to you. He said, that day when you came, he said, that, I, that was God talking to me. He said, but I wasn't receiving it. I was closed and I was, all this stuff. He said, but I, I knew the truth and I came back. And, and praise God, he did. But I'm telling you, that's dangerous stuff that people get involved with. We need to recognize that sometimes there is demo, demonic activity involved with natural activities that people are partaking of. This word fellowship, because he said here, remember, uh, I skipped a scripture on you there, didn't I? You know, you know, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Let me throw that one in. That's the, right before where we started in verse 14. It said, no temptation has taken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will with the temptation, uh, will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Why do I bring that up? It's in context here. Basically, the devil has no new tricks. The things he tempted people with thousands of years ago, they're the same today. They just have a different face on them. And I'm going to show you those. I've got three particular things in mind that I'm going to deal with over the coming weeks uh, that people are worshiping the devil in, even Christians. They're falling into de- devil worship. They would never for a moment call it that. And if they, And some will even be probably troubled by it when they think, How could you call that demon worship? I'm going to show you from the Word of God. All right? But it's hindering their relationship with God. That's what we want to avoid. God wants you and you alone, and He wants all your heart, and He doesn't want you to be messing 
fooling around with somebody else on the side or anything else. And this is key to your relationship. Now, again, the word fellowship means a companion, means a partaker, it means a partner. It has to do with sharing something in common. I do not want you to have anything in common. I don't want you to connect with or fellowship with or partake of anything with demons is what he's saying. You do not partner up with demons in your life. You don't serve God and say Jesus is Lord and then you're walking around with your demon buddies. That must leave. You'll find that neither will work. The devil hates God and God hates the devil. You cannot be friends with enemies. Two different enemies. If you hate my wife, I'm not hanging around you. Are you listening? Why? That just doesn't work. And if I love God, and yet everything I want to associate with despises Him, that's not going to work. I, I uh, was listening and reading both, actually, years ago, a story about uh, Kenneth E. Hagan and an experience he had when, uh, back in the 50s, he was traveling around the United States preaching, and he was in our neck of the woods uh, and uh, in Oregon and so forth. And he said he, they were going back home, which I think was Texas in those days, and he said, we went through Utah. While we were in Utah, we stopped off to see uh, the Mormon temple. A lot of people were doing tours, I guess. And so he said, I had studied that religion um, in the past. And we, and we love the Mormons. Uh, we don't agree that, that with what they teach. It's not co- compatible with the Bible, with the New Testament. However, we still love them. And, uh, but anyway, they went to see uh, the Mormon temple. And he said while they were going through the tour, um, the tour guide got to this point. He was with his family. He had his son who was uh, 15 years old. And uh, they got to this place where the tour guide started talking about uh, this. They, they believe in the, that there was this angel called Moroni who I guess brought Joseph Smith, the founder of their religion, uh, tablets or something like that. And... Uh, when, they, when he started talking about that, Brother Hagen said, I was just intently fo- listening to the tour guide. There was some type of thump behind him. He didn't even turn around initially. But then his wife did and started saying, Ken, our baby. And he's a 15-year-old baby. And uh, he was on the ground, knees pulled up to his chest, and he was in some type of seizure. He had never had that before. And uh, he was in some kind of seizure. And the tour guide said, oh, uh, actually, don't worry. Um, uh, this happens from time to time when I talk about this. And he took it as some type, type of uh, confirmation, as a sign that what he was saying was true. Interjection here, my thoughts, I don't want that kind of sign. I'm thinking healing. Blessing, you know, peace, joy, <laughs> seizure. Mm, no, I don't want anything to do with the seizure. <laughs> and uh, anyway, the guide said to him, just put him over there by the tree and uh, he'll be okay after a little while because he's obviously seen that before. 
And Brother Hagin, he, 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 he just went down to his son. He grabbed him and pulled him up and looked him right in the eye. Says, come out of him in Jesus' name. And he said, I had to do it three times. Three times. And then he snapped out and said, what's going on? What, you know, what happened? And, he, and so he looked at his son and his family. He said, we have to leave here. We're on the devil's territory, and we're going to leave here lest he jumps upon one of us again. And so they left there. They talked to him afterward, and they said, what happened? What was your experience? He said, they were talking. They got to that point. They were talking about that supposed angel. He said, something came out of the ground, came up into my legs, and came up into my knees and into my waist when it hit my stomach. That's the last thing I remember. I don't know how much you have experienced God or know the word, but the Lord never comes out of the ground upon somebody. <laughs> never does the Bible say, and the Lord rose up from the dirt, came up. No, he, he would come down on people. I'm telling you, what was that? That was a demonic spirit. Say why? They were curious. They were interested and they knew better. And he said, we're not staying here anymore. We're on the wrong territory, they were opening themselves up to spiritual activity of the wrong sort. God's not happy with that. I don't, God didn't do that to them. God was protecting them, but they were opening themselves up. We need to recognize there are some things that as believers, we've given our lives to the Lord that we don't play with. There are things we don't mess around with. Let me show you Galatians chapter 4, and let's finish here. If you think about uh, places people can go, think about the spiritual side now. As believers, we should not be ignorant of two realms. Not overly weird, where people are always just seeing stuff no we are physical we're dealing with the natural realm most of the time but think about it logically i'm a i'm a logical thinker what kind of spirits hang out at the bars if you know now that there are angels there are demons there is the spirit of god himself here we are what kind of spirits would hang out at a place like that i'm kind of thinking maybe Depends on, again, what type of place it is. Could be alcoholism. Things, that, spirits that are enticing people to get drunk. Maybe to get them in a car wreck or beat up a spouse later that day. Uh, could be lust. You know, what, what about a strip joint or something like that? That people go to. What kind of spirits hang out there? I'm kind of thinking that's not where the angels congregate. I'll meet you down at the, uh, you know... <laughs> No, I don't think they're hanging out there. Do you think there are spirits there? Absolutely. No doubt in my mind. They are influencing people's behavior. And if a Christian now is partaking of or participating in some of that activity, they are, they probably wouldn't think about it, but they're an idol worshiper. They are fellowshipping with demons, though they wouldn't purposely probably do that they wouldn't say i'm going to go fellowship with demons here 
I'm going to watch this movie in fellowship with a spirit of fear. Never would they even think that. But if it's true that spirits are involved in many different areas, we need to be more discerning. We need to watch out that we're not doing something inadvertently and hanging out with the devil, fellowshipping with the devil, because that's hindering your relationship with God. And sometimes it opens a door for deception to come in. And then before you know it, you're not only just fellowshipping with God 90 and a little bit of 10% demon over here. It's swinging the other way. And you remember, oh, yeah, I am a Christian. I do have a relationship with God, but most of your life is consumed with and filled with the wrong spirit. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. What were they into? Well, they were into the literal idol worship that was a part of their culture. He said, by nature, they're not gods, but you served those. He said, but you you know, you've been free. You're a spirit. You're a child of God now. Verse 9, but now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? And that was exactly what they were doing. He's explaining to them, don't go back. You've left that. You've given your life to the Lord. You're a child of God. His spirit is in your heart. Listen, he's crying, Daddy God. He's your dad. He's your father. He wants a relationship with you. Don't go back into bondage. That's foolish, man. That doesn't make any sense at all to go backwards into that. Stay on the path of freedom where you're serving God and only Him all the days of your life. I want to encourage you this month and however long, don't have any other gods in your life. And I want to begin to point out specifically some common traps, although I certainly can't cover everything, but some common traps that people fall into in placing things or people too high. There are relationships in your life that are godly, God-ordained friendships, of course, marriage relationships. Those are valuable, and those should be highly esteemed. But do you know that not even a spouse is supposed to take the place of God in your life? Some people mess up their marriage by looking to the... They make their spouse the most most important person in their life. I can't live without you. I I just couldn't make it in life without you. Well, you need need to knock that off. Stop worshiping your spouse. That might sound hard to some, but listen, they are to have a pretty high place. They're not to take the place of God. He needs to be on the throne and you and the Lord can do anything and go anywhere. And don't dismiss your spouse because of that commitment. Because the Lord will say, hold on to them. <laughs> but relationships must have their right and proper place for things to work. Father, thank you today for speaking to our hearts, for directing our steps, for guiding our lives. Lord, we believe that you're at work in our midst and you're helping us to see and to know and to understand what's important to you to see and to know to understand what things to allow in our lives and what we should leave what we should flee from in our lives 
Thank you for helping each and every one to have clarity now. To have clear sight to recognize what you're saying and doing and which way we should go. We trust you, Lord. We dedicate our lives fully and renew our hearts toward you again. Say you are our everything, our all in all. Nothing can come between us. Oh, we give you all the praise. Thank you, Lord. 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 Father, I just know that you're drawing people into a closer communion and fellowship with yourself here today. Better than it's ever been before. Things are going to get better than they've ever been before. Oh, it's going to be much more joyful, much more fulfilling, much more exciting than it's ever been before. Get ready for days ahead that are bright. Oh, for your relationship with God to excel. Oh, for it to come up into a new place into a brand new place there's fresh anointing there's fresh revelation there's new experience there's more excitement than you've known for many years and it's right there before you commit your way into him (laughs) commit your way unto him and he will bring it to pass oh thank you father thank you lord for taking us up today for wrapping your arms around us and holding us close Lord, you'll never let us go. And we'll never walk away. Commit our hearts and lives to you today. Thank you for doing a special work. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I do pray for for those who have come today that have never been saved. They were to die today. They don't have the assurance of heaven.